Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I don't know if you're like this. I sometimes marvel at the Lord's timing. You know what I mean by that? When the Lord works things out in such a way that it is so clear that he's the one that orchestrated what has happened in your life or what's happened in a particular situation, and you just see all kinds of things coming together at the same time. I love when that happens. I really don't like it that much when he doesn't work according to my timetable. You know what I mean? But I really like it when he works things out. Case in point, when I was considering what I might preach on today, and I looked at the readings, the first thing that struck me is they're both from John the Apostle. The epistle, the letter from John, and then the gospel of John. And I thought, this is really wonderful because they dovetail so wonderfully First of all, because John the Apostle knew and even refers to himself as the beloved Apostle. He was so confident and aware of God's love, of Jesus' love for him. And so that's a wonderful thing. And then it happens on Mother's Day. When so often, and I I realize this is not true for everyone, but so often when we think about people who have loved us in our life, We think about our moms. That kind of servant love, that kind of unconditional love that has broken into our lives. And this is the first Mother's Day that I will be without my mom physically. Because my mom died last year at the age of 83. I was blessed to have her for 57 years. And we had, even though at times we had an up and down relationship, by and large, it was a very loving relationship. And I knew and was confident in my mom's love. And I want to give you an example of that. When my mom and dad, my mom would visit, and Meredith and my mom would go to the grocery store together, on several occasions, Meredith would come home, and she would tell me what happened when they were there. And what happened is, they're standing in line, waiting to check out. And my mom would turn to whoever was around her, And she would say, do you go to St. Luke's? (laughs) I'm not kidding. This little Italian lady, you know, who like was friends with everybody. She says, do you go to St. Luke's? And if they said no, she said, why not? (laughs) She said, my son's the pastor there. And he's so wonderful. And she'd go on and on. And Meredith's like, oh, my goodness. I knew my mom loved me. There was no question in my mind. And it wasn't a perfect relationship, neither was she a perfect person. I love my children, and they would tell you, my dad is not perfect, he's not a perfect person. That's not the point. 
The point is, is that I was so confident of her love because of her reassurance, because of her encouragement, because of her servanthood in my life. John felt the same way about Jesus. That when he observed Jesus, and Jesus was perfect in his love, that there's no question in his mind of what God's love is like. The commitment, the sacrifice, the confidence that he had in God's love. The fact that Jesus would at times challenge his apostles and even chastise his apostles. There was no question in John's mind that he was loved by Jesus. And Jesus would at one time in Matthew's Gospel, as he's approaching Jerusalem, as he's about to lay down his life, looks at the city, looks at the people. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And then he refers to himself as if a mother hen, gathering the chicks, which is what he was about to do when he went to the cross and put his arms wide to embrace people who would come to him, people who were willing to step into that love. And I'll never forget a story I read one time about this hen that they found after a fire. Some of you have probably heard this before. And underneath the hen were the baby chicks all alive, even though the mother had died, protecting her chicks. That's what we're talking about when, when Scripture talks about God so loved the world that he gave his son. The reason that Jesus went to the cross in the first place was to put those arms, if you will, those wings out to cover his people with his love and say, this is how much I love you. And that's what John is trying to convey in this letter, this epistle that he writes. And he tries to get us to think about this kind of love in a variety of ways. The first thing he says is that any who, anyone who loves is of God because God is love. And anyone who doesn't love isn't of God. Do you understand what he's saying? If you really understand the depth of God's love for you in Jesus, if you have received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and he's entered your heart and life, then you become a person who embodies his kind of love. More and more, that more and more the Holy Spirit is filling you, the first fruit of the Spirit being love that you embrace and you embody that kind of love in your life. See, and I really think that we don't fully understand and appreciate that kind of love because so much of our life and our culture is that love is a feeling. Love is a feeling. I hear people say, and it boggles my mind, I don't love them anymore. Now, I want you to think about that. 
If God is love, and love is a feeling, then what that person is saying is God is no longer a part of our relationship. He's not a reality in our life together. If love is a feeling. But if God is love, and we too are to embrace and embody that kind of love, then there's a commitment. There's an abiding. There's a constancy that doesn't go away. It's not because we do this kind of love of our own strength, understand. Because we will run out. If we just try to love of our own strength, of our own will, we will run out. But when we love with God's love, it's abiding, it's constant. It's growing, it's deepening, and self-sacrifice and giving becomes more of a part of our love. And if you want to know what this kind of love is like, then you've got to know Him. You've got to know Him if God is love. Because when you study the Scripture and you study the life of Jesus, then you discover what it is love is like. Because love is sacrificial. Love is serving. Love is forgiving. If we say we're not going to forgive someone, see, that's problematic because that's why Jesus went to the cross. That's what he demonstrated on the cross that he offers by the laying down of his life. Forgiveness is a part of love. Love is about holiness and righteousness. Because when we're not seeking His righteousness and holiness in our lives, we're being selfish, which is not loving. See how all this works? It's amazing when you begin to think about it, you just take take a step back and you begin to think about love and you begin to think about the Lord and you understand more of what love is. It's costly. It's sacrificial. It's giving. It's generosity. Generosity in our resources. Generosity in our spirit. It's interesting to me that when Jesus talks about the tithe, for example, Matthew 23, which is giving 10% of your income, not just what you feel like, again, feelings, but 10% of your income. And then he says, that's the least. That's the least. You need to give to the poor and the orphan and the widow. In other words, what he's saying is, if you really understand love and giving love and generous love and self-sacrificial love, you give this because this is what you need to support what it is my work is about locally. But then, if you want to show love sacrificially, you give to these other people around you that you might not know, but that you want to give to out of generosity. Do you understand? See, we want to make this God who is love work for us. Convenient, easy, comfortable. Serve us. But when you understand that He's love and that we are to embody by His Spirit 
the person of Jesus Christ in our heart and life. We are transformed. We become people of grace because His love lives in us. Take it a step further. We become a a people who take risks. That we reach out in love beyond our comfort zone. Beyond which is convenient and easy. That's the kind of love he's looking for. That kind of love, by the way, requires discipline. In order to grow in that love, we must seek to walk with him. We must seek to be filled with his spirit. That requires discipline. That's why we're called, by the way, disciples. Thank you. There's a little amen right here. That's why we're called disciples. Because in order to grow in that love, it takes a disciplined effort. It's not something that comes natural. You know what comes natural to most of us? Self-centeredness. Serving me. That's what comes natural to most of us. It's when we give our hearts and lives wholly to Him in His love that His Spirit begins to move us in such a way that His love blossoms forth. And that's why, again, in the context of John's epistle, as you read it, John talks about, and this is love that He sent His Son. This is love that He sent His Son. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. See, because you want to see love embodied. You want to see love lived out. This is what love looks like. It looks like the person of my Son, Jesus. It looks like someone who is there to give of Himself for the world. It looks like someone who is reaching out with my love to touch lives. And then Jesus, as his disciples, then sends us into the world. In word and deed. That we are reaching out with this love into action with our lives. That we're giving of ourselves. We're serving. But we're also sharing. And I don't want you to minimize that. That Jesus spent a lot of his ministry teaching and preaching. That if we're really going to be Christ-like, we're out there talking about him. And if you've not been here before, this might be your first time, but people who have been here before have heard me say this before. If you fulfill the two great commandments, that is, you seek to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it means that you can't help but talk about it. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you will want them to know this Lord who loves you, which means you're going to talk to them about the Lord. You're going to share with them your witness. You're going to share with them the gospel, if you love them. That's why to fulfill the two great commandments, naturally will fulfill the great commission of Matthew 28. You know why we don't do a lot of this? You know why we don't love? Again, John gets right to the heart of it. He says it's fear. You don't understand God's love because of fear. You're not willing to embrace God's love because of fear. You don't live out God's love because of fear. Why does John say that? 
Because it's in fear that we want to hold on to. It's in fear that we want to make sure we have ours. It's in fear that we live a selfish life because we want and we don't trust Him to provide. This is reflected in parenthood too. Because in fear, a lot of parents try to control everything about their children's lives. Their schedule, their environment. And we don't trust the Lord with them. When frankly, that's the most essential and important thing with our children. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We want our children to be successful in the world. So we make sure they're doing everything they need to do to be successful in the world. We want to control and protect their environment as if we have that kind of control. And we can protect them from every harm, which is not reality. What we're really called to do is raise our children up in the Lord. That's what we're really called to do. That we want to expose them to what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What it means to be a child of character. Which means that they will be involved with activities around them. Which means they will be committed to doing their best in school. If you really understand that the whole of the gospel is meant to touch the whole of one's life. But so many parents are about physical protection, material security, and oh, by the way, spiritual when it's convenient and easy. You know, I think we really misunderstand our role as parents when we do that. Because I want to see my children for eternity. I might get them a while in this life, But I want to spend eternity with them. And that's why what I think is most essential in parenting is that my children know the Lord. That my children know what it means to follow Christ. That my children know what sacrificial love looks like and forgiveness looks like. That my children learn of holiness and righteousness. Because I want to spend eternity with them. That's God's design for a parent. This life is so short. And at times so challenging. And there are no guarantees in this life. The guarantee comes when we know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And he says, if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. Which means I get to spend eternity not only with him, but with those that I love. When I know they trust in the Lord.
The other aspects of life, of course, they're important. And we need to find that balance in life. There's no question in my mind. How do we protect our children the best way? How do we make sure our children are doing as well as they can the best way? But we need to make sure, if we care about eternity, for them and for us, that they know the Lord and they seek to walk with the Lord as much as possible. And sometimes that means, much like Jesus did with the apostles, to challenge them and to stretch them. So often we end up becoming enablers and we misunderstand love. We want them to like us. You know, if you read the life of Jesus, that's why it's so important. I don't think Jesus ran around hoping everybody liked him. I think he ran around preaching and teaching because he wanted everyone to know the love of God and to live the love of God. That's why Jesus did what he did. You know, as you read this passage and you continue reading in John's Gospel, you continue hearing the words of Jesus in the upper room, you know what Jesus links with this love and we see at the end of this particular passage? He wants joy for us. He wants us to have that abiding, lasting confidence, resting in Him no matter what comes, and learning what it means to be joyful amidst the challenges. He was facing His death. Again, the world's kind of joy doesn't understand this kind of joy. Living in that joy. It doesn't mean that life in this world is always easy. It doesn't mean that there are guarantees in this life all the time. What it means is that we abide with the Lord. We know His grace. We know the presence of His Spirit. And the first two fruit, the love and the joy, and then the peace, no matter what happens. And it lasts into eternity. You know, I had an experience last weekend that was in some ways sad, but really blessed me. My son Daniel and his wife Natalie were in town for a wedding. They came in for a very quick weekend. He's back up to Fort Bragg. He begins his training there this coming week. And when they came, they brought their dog, Moose. And just to put it in perspective, he came into town really for a wedding. So they went to the rehearsal dinner and then they were out afterwards and they went to the... I got to see him maybe about two hours the whole weekend. But I got to spend a lot of time with Moose. (laughs) This Mastiff, when I first met Moose, weighed 165 pounds. More than I do, by the way. Now... Moose has lost a little weight since then. Looks better. But while Daniel was home, we were out in the backyard walking around with Moose. And Moose noticed something, and I caught it at the same time, and I said to Daniel, grab Moose. And there was a little bird in the grass. And I said to Daniel, I said, did you see a nest fall or a tree branch fall and he said actually there's a tree branch back here before I tossed it and so I put the little bird off the side and then I looked around the yard and I found two more 
And I was like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I really didn't know what to do. It was kind of a little late on a Saturday to call a vet. So I decided I would do my best to expose the children to the mom. So I gathered them together near where I thought I heard the mom chirping, probably trying to get their attention. And I put them in the pine straw there. And on and off I would check. And eventually the mom found the babies. And it was wonderful to watch that little experience. Well, as evening came and it got dark, I got a little concerned for the birds since they really hadn't moved. And so what I did was I built some pine straw and some leaves around the birds. And right before it was like totally dark outside, I went out to check on these little birds and they had crawled out so that the mom could find them. And they were still huddled together. What a wonderful thing. The sad part is that when I woke up the next morning, one of my first thoughts was to check on them, and they did not survive. I know. See, the way you reacted, that's the way I reacted. I was really sad. Because I did everything I could to try to, that made sense to me, to save them. But here's what I learned in watching that. Number one, the mother sought to find and feed the birds. To care for them as best she could. Probably even knowing that they wouldn't survive. The chicks sought to be found by the mother. And I thought, what a wonderful image of what God wants for us. That much like we are the lost sheep, that He seeks after us. Because He wants to find us. And He wants to feed us so we grow. And He wants us to seek after Him. To be found by Him. As if our life depends on it. And what else it taught me is there's no guarantees. I look around here and I see moms who have lost children. There's no guarantees. That's why the guarantee I look for is for eternity. Because there's no guarantees in this life. And death is a part of life. But what God wants for us is to discover the depth of His love. And that what His design is for us as a loving Father, as Jesus who came to be the hen who stretched out His arms on the cross to cover us, is that we would discover the depth of His love and be with Him for eternity and seek to bring those who are ours for eternity. I challenge you mothers here that the most important thing you can do is love your children with the love of God. 
that you learn what it means to love your children with the love of God. And that you learn what it means to share His love with other people as you grow in His love. And if you want a reminder, just think of Jesus as the Good Shepherd seeking His sheep by stretching out His arms on the cross. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Who when he came, compared himself to a mother hen. That when he came, said, not a sparrow falls to the ground without my Father knowing it. And at the same time reminded his apostles that every hair on your head is numbered. The depth of his love found in Jesus and found on a cross. Lord, I pray for those here who have never discovered your love in your Son, Jesus. That they today might come to know him, even on Mother's Day, as Savior and Lord. And Lord, for all of us gathered here, that we would learn from you what love looks like. And take the best from how we were raised by our mom and our dad. And that we would grow in the knowledge and love of you and use the opportunities before us with our children, with the children around us, to share your love. Lord God, help us to see you right now in your Son. The Good Shepherd with the arms stretched out to cover us as a hen covering the chicks. And Lord, this day and every day we might rest in that love and grow in that love because of your love for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.